heart in prayer as we approach God's throne. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can be here this afternoon. And while thou has granted us a beautiful day, one in which we can appreciate nature and its beauty. And yet, Lord, we know that there is no better place to be than for us to gather together about thy word and to expose ourselves to thy truth, to have thy word spoken to us and thy spirit to teach our minds and to touch our hearts in the way that we should go. We know that this is beneficial for us and it is profitable for us to the very end of our lives. And so we're thankful, Lord, to be here. We ask that thou would visit us, inspire us, Lord, through thy word, and provide for those that are especially seeking for thy direction and guidance in their lives. This was we ask of thee in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lord's help, I'd like to read from the letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, Knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel, what then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I there 
therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. I have read through verse 18. This week, as I had an opportunity to spend time more than usual uh, in God's word, I was drawn to the attention of verse 6 in Philippians chapter 1, where Apostle Paul speaks to the church at Philippi, and he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, for, for any of us who have been in the, gospel, in, the, in the faith, who have been believers for a long time, we have come through experience to understand that God does care for us and that God has his best intentions in mind. Not only does he intend to bless us, but he does provide for our necessities. Many times he provides beyond that. But certainly he meets our needs, whatever those needs may be. However, from time to time, we find ourselves in a situation where we think our needs, and they are at times, quite important or quite urgent. And sometimes it appears that God doesn't necessarily answer our prayers immediately. In fact, many times, at least that has been my experience, God often waits. He often gives me space and time to, first of all, come to grips with the situation in my life so that after the initial emotional response, I may allow the the mind of Christ to settle in and spend more time in the scripture to understand how God wants me to react and what God expects of me. There is no doubt for any of us that Jesus and God in particular is so interested in our lives that he is constantly, if, if you would accept this term, interfering with your plans and my plans for life. Apostle Paul talks about that in Corinthians that that um, in, in the famous chapter of charity um, where he says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. The, the expression there that we see through a glass darkly means that we, in those days, they didn't have glass, that they saw a reflection in a mirror. So rather than seeing God face to face, we see his reflection reflected off a, in in those days it would be bronze, a highly polished bronze mirror that you could imagine probably wasn't the flattest mirror and there was probably some distortion in, in the reflected image. And not that that really mattered, but the point was that one day we're going to see God face to face. And what that means is that today, God gives us his word, which is the Bible, 
And he expects us to at least understand the Bible. And there isn't anyone in this room that has exhausted his understanding of the Bible, meaning that there's always more that we can learn. We can never exhaust the Bible in understanding. And so our understanding of God's will is always going to be in part, meaning it's not going to be completely perfect because we don't understand the Bible in its entirety. We understand what we understand today, and tomorrow we'll read the same passage and we will gain greater insight. But the things we need to know, the basic things such as why Jesus Christ came to earth, why sin separates us from God, why we need to come to God to be reconciled to him, why we need to believe in faith, and why grace works in us, salvation in our heart, and we can then become a child of God. Those basic things we can know in their entirety, and we can have perfect knowledge. But the rest, we don't have perfect knowledge. And as in the the church in Corinth, as in all the churches in the New Testament, God gave to the churches gifts. He gave abilities to individuals in the church for the the Bible says, and it emphasizes this over and over again, that, that it is for the ministry or for the edification, for the growth and building up of the church. Because the church needs to be built up. Individual members need to grow and need to uh, receive their, their sustenance in the Word of God through the preaching of the Word of God and through the application of the Word of God in their lives. There is no better way to learn the Word of God and to learn God's will than to be in the actual thick of things. In other words, we have to be in the front line, in the heat of the battle, experiencing a situation where God wants us to trust and believe, to trust and obey, to exercise this, this word that we, we, we see in the Bible so often, faith. And God does this because if we didn't do this, we would become such a um, theoretical group of people we would just come together as a club and Christianity would really have no meaning other than it would satisfy the world from a philosophical point of view. But instead, God wants our faith to be real. And so in your life, in your life and in my life, God brings difficult times. Um, Verse 29 of this chapter, we didn't read the whole chapter. It says here, For unto you, unto us, is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Granted, that is given to you. Granted that it is given to us to suffer for his sake. And in doing so, we are able to exercise faith and thereby grow. If you are not experiencing difficult times in your life, you are maybe avoiding, or you are possibly not listening to the Spirit of God, or you are occupying yourself with the things that are choking you. 
But God isn't going to leave us there. And this verse, being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, is a verse of confidence. It's, it's an uplifting, encouraging verse that says that in whatever state I'm in, in my life, God has specifically designed this state for me, and he has every good intention to complete. Now, we can, I can jump to that. I can say, well, the word here will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. The word perform there means to bring to perfection or to bring to completeness. God is going to bring to perfection or he's going to complete the work that he began in the life of every single Christian. And this is what Apostle Paul is telling the church at Philippi. He says, I am confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you or among you, and we can take it in the plural sense, among us, among the church, but we can take it in the individual sense that for me, he began this good work. And what is that good work? It's the work of salvation. It, it's the work of grace. Where he called me, he drew me unto his son. This is God drawing me unto his son. Unto the knowledge of the truth. That I may have the opportunity to believe and grasp it. And secure for myself salvation, peace, and hope. And not only did he draw me to him which was the work of grace, but he also was able to enlighten my understanding. He was able to open my eyes to believe in him. Now, the Bible tells us that faith is a gift. So how can we believe in God if, if, God, if faith is a gift? But yet, in every man, as we heard this morning, in every man there is that continual assessment if you will it's an assessment of the state of your happiness or contentment and that is something that goes on every day every day we wake up and every day we whether we like to define it as that every day we we assess or we evaluate or we determine at the end of the day whether the day was a good day or not a good day when i come home i'm always asked how was your day because they know sometimes my day at work is not good so they always want to know, how was your day? And you ask yourself that question too. We all ask our question. Before we end the day, we, we wonder whether the day was a good day. We wonder whether the day was useful. We wonder whether the day was, whether we accomplished anything meaningful in our life at the end, at the end of it. And all of us do that. All of us assess that. And God knows that and so god gives us the opportunity to consider him as an option to find complete fulfillment and when the bible says that 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 god that the father draws all, all men when he lifts up jesus christ and that he that he draws them unto himself unto jesus christ he does so by giving each man each person the opportunity to understand that God is the one option and he is the only real option for man to find fulfillment and understanding in this life. 
That work, that good work, God made in me, and he did in you, in every one of you who believe. He, he drew you to him. He allowed you the opportunity to respond to the invitation. And when you took a positive response to that invitation, he gave you the gift of faith so that you could continue in that direction. But the initial response to the invitation comes from within. It is your desire of what to do with what you hear. But once you take that step in faith, God gives more faith. He gives you the gift of faith to believe. And then he does something miraculous, which the world cannot understand. He, the Bible says that he replaces this stony heart that we had, a heart that was hard. In, in many ways, one can say it's a hardened heart, a heart that is impenetrable, is not responsive to the message of salvation, is not responsive to the, to, to, the, to the message of love of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. And it's hard to understand how, how mankind could be so hard and not respond to a message of love unless there are, there are selfish reasons. And yet, it's not just the impenetrable heart that is a, a, a stony heart. It's a heart that, that reflects off anything that comes its way, that is, is almost shut, shut to, to, to a, uh, the proposition that God wants to do a marvelous thing in your life if you are willing to let it happen. For me, God changed my stony heart, and the Bible says that he replaced it with a heart of flesh, with a real heart, a heart that, that was sensitive, a heart that was receptive, a heart that was, that was feeling and that could respond to the message of the cross of his son dying for us in our stead out of love. And he did that. I could not have done that. It is, it is the work of grace. There is nothing I could have done for salvation. He did this for me. And he, does, he, he did this for every single person here whose heart was replaced. It was the work of grace. And then the Bible says that he not only replaced my heart, he also put his laws into my mind. He wrote them into the new heart and he placed them into my mind so that I would know his will. Isn't that incredible? Again, this isn't something that I could do of my own. I can, yes, I could uh, isolate myself and dedicate my whole life to memorizing the scripture, but that still would not come close to having God's word put into our hearts and minds. And that happens through the Spirit of God, too. By having the gift of the Holy Spirit, it is the Spirit that teaches me. It is the Spirit that brings to my understanding and brings to my recollection the things I have learned. No amount of human knowledge or human endeavor in the absence of God and, in, and of the Spirit can accomplish that. That was accomplished by God. It was good work. And he did this in me. And he does it in you. And he can do it in you. And Apostle Paul is telling the Philippians that I am confident of this thing. And when he says I am confident, the word confident there means that he, has, he is fully persuaded in his mind. 
he, without shadow of a doubt, he is so persuaded that God, that this is true, that God has not only has God begun this work in you, but he is going to complete it. He will never abandon the work he begun in your life. And we know from the scripture that God has, he has wonderful plans for each of us. And when we use the word wonderful, we're not talking about earthly wonderful. We're not talking about things that we, if we were in the world and we were chasing after the things of the world that we would define as wonderful. We're talking about God defining for you a plan that will ensure that you become conformed to Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ becomes you. You become Jesus. By the time you end this life, if you allow yourself to be worked on by God, he will conform you to the image of his son and you will become more like him. But each of us are different. Each of us think differently. Each of us have different personalities. Each of us had different upbringings. Each of us bring into the equation different baggage, different weaknesses, different, different things that we have to overcome. And God knows all that. We're all born into different families, into different circumstances, into different contexts. All those things put together, God designs a plan specifically tailor-made for you that is wonderful that will use your situation you're in, will, will use your background, your person, your context, your environment and surrounding, and will make sure that you can grow to the fullest potential and you can become like his son, bringing maximum glory to God. Ultimately, and, and the world may say that's selfish, but God created us for his pleasure. And in redeeming us, in redeeming humankind, he wants us to maximize his glory. So Apostle Paul was fully persuaded when he spoke these words and penned these words to the church in Philippi that God is going to complete that in you. He's going to bring that to perfection. This week as I I had a business trip in, in North Carolina, and as some of you know, in Toronto, we had the flooding. We had power outages. And um, I had no power in my workplace for, from Monday through, um, sorry, Monday, Tuesday, and I think on Wednesday morning. I flew in, in Wednesday, and I had to go make a presentation to a client and I couldn't get the data from the servers. And on top of that, my sprained ankle, the inflammation flared up, and I, and I thought, okay, this is, this is going to be an interesting trip. The power came back on on Wednesday morning. The server was up and running, and I just had enough time to throw the data into the laptop and run to the airport. And I spent the whole trip at the airport and on the plane doing a 36-page slide presentation of all the data that I could put together. And I can tell you that I prayed a lot. I prayed when I got to the hotel room. I was on my knees praying. And, and I thought, you know, this is, it's, it's how God works. 
And I know that he just wanted me to wait, to be patient, not to be stressed out. And I said, well, and I remember the verse where Apostle Paul says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Well, I certainly felt weak. But I didn't lose, I was calm. And it was interesting that as God saw it all through, everything went well, and, and I made it to the flight. I got down there. I was, did my presentation. I got back on my flight. And, and it was stormy in, in North Carolina when we left. And uh, as, as the plane flew, it was a small plane, the regional jet, so you could feel it. It felt like a roller coaster. Often there were drops, and you just felt like everything was going up your throat. But as we cleared the, the storm, you were above the clouds and the, the sky is perfectly blue. And I always remember that saying that, that the sun always shines above the clouds. The sun is always shining. And I thought, and I had a window seat, and I just looked outside and I saw that beautiful sunshine and I realized that's exactly how it was. In our lives, we can be completely surrounded by thunderstorms. It doesn't look good. It may not even feel good. You may be in pain. You may be concerned, how is, it, how is all this going to happen? And it's a trivial thing. As I sat in the, in, in the window and looked out, as I sat at the seat and looked out the window, I said, you know, God worked it all out. I never had to worry. I just had to trust him. And then I look at the sunshine and said, God was always there. He's always been there. He's always been in our lives. We may not see him at times. Well, in fact, we never see him physically. Remember, we see a reflection of his work in our lives. But he is always there. And I never have to doubt that. And for that one minute, as I looked out the window and saw that beautiful sunshine, I said, well, I have a choice here. People could say, well, that was just circumstances, Alan. It was circumstances the power came on just in time for you to get the data on your laptop and take off to the airport. It was just circumstances, Alan, that, the, that there were no delays with the flight you got. There were circumstances that your ankle got a little better so that you didn't have to limp into the office of, the, of your customers so, so that you didn't have to make a bad impression. All those things were circumstances. And that's exactly what the world and the enemy of our soul, as we heard this morning, would like us to believe. We can sum them all, them all up and say these are just circumstances. Or we can choose to believe that the sun is always there. But God is always there, and he, and he cares. And, and I felt so good, so at peace, that I have the choice to believe that God was there. And I have this confidence that the work he has begun in me, he is going to complete. He is going to bring to perfection. And that one day I will see him face to face. And so will you. And you need to make that choice. You need to make the choice whether we're going to allow him to do that good work, allow him to continue to perfect the good work in us, or whether we're even receptive to it. Are we receptive to him? Are we willing to let him change our heart and write his laws on our new heart and on our mind? That's a choice we have. And that choice is given to us until our last breath. The Bible says, if you hear his voice today, harden not your heart. May the Lord bless his word. Amen.
the analogy of the sun, that it's always above the clouds, is a comfort for us to know that despite the situations that we find ourselves in, we can believe, and it's a choice we make, to believe that God is still there. And I believe for the young people, this is a difficult subject or concept, the idea that God is there, that he's real. And I can, I can understand that. I can, I can understand why that is a difficult subject, especially when the world offers so many different ideas, so many different things that can, can occupy your mind and then can, can seemingly rationalize the world and the way the world behaves. It is a challenge for the young generation today to believe in God. I think that it is probably more difficult today than it has ever been. And I think that it will only get more difficult. But at the same time, there is so much more happening in the world today that reinforces the validity of the Word of God. It shows us that man left to his own device, to his own intellect, to his own in invention, cannot attain true fulfillment and satisfaction. And in fact, history has shown us, and the current present history tells us, that man really is incapable of elevating himself to a level where he is above hurting one another, killing one another, uh, inflicting pain and sorrow and damage. Man is incapable, even today, and never will be, incapable of raising himself above his human nature. Given the opportunity, given the circumstances, man will succumb to his human nature. And he will choose the selfish way. He will choose what satisfies himself. And so that is the fundamental truth. The problem is that in this world, that fundamental truth is disguised is disguised by so many things in this world, so many opportunities. The opportunities are ever before you, especially if you're a young generation. But they're all a lie. They all lead to a dead end. They don't, they don't deal with the human nature that is fallen, sinful. And in the end, they lead to an emptiness, even as we heard this morning. There is one solution and only one solution to the dilemma of man, to his human nature, and that is the change of heart, the, the operation of God that the heart is changed. And that is freely offered. It is freely proclaimed. It is preached. And it is the lowest common denominator. Anyone can accept it. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are, 
your status in life. It doesn't matter of your ethnic background. All those things are irrelevant. Anyone can believe and choose to believe. We hope that you will believe, especially the young people, that you will choose to believe while you have the opportunity. This concludes our service. Amen.